Welcome back to Vandenberg Flash Focus, your source for fast and focused foreign policy analysis on breaking news from around the world. Today we have a bit of a special episode. Our guest has just returned from Ukraine, where she traveled extensively throughout the country, including to many areas that have been devastated by Russia's war of aggression. Heather Nauert served as the spokesperson for the U.S. Department of State from 2017 through 2019, as well as the acting Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. Prior to her government service, she spent nearly 20 years covering the world's most consequential stories as an anchor and reporter for ABC and Fox News. Heather, welcome to Flash Focus. Hey, Sam. Great to be with you. Thank you. So I understand you just returned from a trip to Ukraine with other American foreign policy leaders. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience there? You know, what did you see? Who did you meet with? Um, and where did you go? Yeah, uh, Sam, we went on a 1300 mile road trip through a war zone. Imagine that. We started in Moldova next door, which is a very small, poor country um, that basically has no defense. We traveled through there, then into Odessa in the south. That's where the port is, where uh, Ukrainians have retaken that port. The port's now open for business, which is a great success story. And then we traveled up through the north, through the uh, sort of the breadbasket region in the middle, Kherson, up to Dnipro, and then uh, ultimately to Kharkiv, which is under constant attack and then out through uh, Kiev, uh, through a train back through Poland. So in total, 1,300 miles getting as close to the front lines as we could get, talking with Ukrainian military, talking with Ukrainian civilians, um, and talking with lots of folks all throughout the country to see what was going on there firsthand. So for most of our, our listeners and most people in America, I think Ukraine has really been, the story has been gobbled up by the news cycle and the political cycle. Um, talking with people and, and being on the ground there, uh, what do Americans who are just kind of following along, even educated, you know, well-informed policymakers, what do Americans not realize about the situation on the ground? And what do people that you talk to want Americans to understand about what they're going through? Yeah, there's actually a lot that Americans aren't getting, which is why it was terrific to see it firsthand, especially as a former reporter. Uh, point one, no place was safe in the country. Uh, we have the perception as Americans that just a small section of Ukraine, those front lines is under attack. That's not the case at all. Uh, Russia is constantly firing ballistic missiles using explosive drones and rockets to target civilian structures all throughout the country. So that's sort of point one. No place is safe in the country of Ukraine. And we had uh, air raid alerts that were constantly going off day and night, regardless of where we were in the country. So this is the life that regular Ukrainians are living constantly under this fear of attack. We saw uh, facilities, um, uh, sorry, civilian uh, buildings, apartment buildings, homes that had been struck by Russian, Russian missiles and rockets. And um, and sadly, civilians dying in that country. So that's sort of sort of point one. Point two is, you know, Ukraine is not asking for a handout. You see, as soon as a building is struck in that country, you see all kinds of Ukrainians, they're cleaning up and then grabbing plywood and some two by fours and starting to rebuild. It's a really strong community of people. And that's something very different from what we are used to seeing as Americans when a place is under attack. Often um, countries that we will pro provide aid to are kind of looking for a handout. Ukraine's not that way. They need a little help. 
to beat back Putin and regain their territorial integrity and maintain their borders, but they're not looking for a handout. So those were kind of two important um, takeaways. The next thing is talking with people throughout the region, whether it's the Poles and the Moldovians or European ambassadors, they're all terrified that if Russia is not stopped in Ukraine, that they too will come under attack from Russia. And so that is a very real threat. And I'm the sister of a uh, active duty Marine Corps captain. The last thing I wanna see is our military getting dragged into something bigger, which is why I think it's so important to provide the military support and some limited humanitarian support to Ukraine so that they can stop Vladimir Putin from going any further. So you mentioned that, um, you know, 1300 miles wide, wide travels. How close did you uh, did you get to the front lines? And, um, you know, how, how did your uh, perspective shift in different parts of the country? You mentioned, you know, kind of the whole areas under air raid warnings, but are, are there particular areas that uh, stood out to you uh, one way or another? Yeah, yeah, the closer we would get to the front lines, um, the uh, more acute the threat was. Uh, we went to Kharkiv, which another city under constant attack, and where we were was about 15 miles from the front lines, but certainly reachable by Russian drones with explosives and, and missiles as well. So it's kind of one of those places where you go there, you quickly look around, you assess the situation, and then you're 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 quick to get out too because you recognize that you're in an area that comes under constant attack. So you could certainly feel that the tension was higher the closer you uh, got, were able to get to the front lines. Um, but still, there is that threat throughout the entire country, and so people are understandably nervous. And I just can't imagine living every single day under that kind of threat where you're constantly having to run down to a bomb shelter you're thinking about you know where your children are at all times you can't get a decent night's sleep because the air raid alerts are constantly going off and you have to find shelter and those who sometimes don't find shelter are the ones who end up dying so that's the high level stress environment that regular folks are living in. Uh, let me mention one other thing. You know, I'm a mom of two young kids. I send my kids to school every day. That's not the situation in Ukraine. Ukrainian kids either have to go to school online or as we found in the city of Kharkiv, close to the front lines, kids are going to school in underground subway stations. Imagine that. It is that dangerous in the country that the kids are going to school and what's an effectively a bomb shelter underground. Thank goodness they can go to school to give them some sense of normalcy. But I just, I think that illustrates um, how risky it is and the constant threat that Ukrainians are under. Can you share with us, um, you know, one personal experience or reflection from your trip that, that particularly was moving for you? Was there a person you met or, or spoke to uh, or, or one place that, um, stood out in particular? I think, um, Sam, we met with some of the governors who are also military leaders of um, these states, which are called oblasts, um, but these states in um, throughout Ukraine. And as we sat in meetings with them and they would talk about the conditions in their in their communities, their states, including Luhansk and Donetsk, those are the ones that are Russian occupied. We would ask them what they need. 
Um, they talked about needing military equipment. They talked about how they're starting to run low and how um, how important it is that we provide them that military clip equipment, along with our European allies who are, do, who are doing it as well. Um, so the need for that, the need for medical supplies uh, so that they can treat some of those frontline um, soldiers. So, so those are two things. But as an American who um, previously messaged on behalf of the State Department, and explained our foreign policy to the world, one thing that really struck me, sitting in those meetings and the the, um, the governors are speaking Ukrainian and I heard my name spoken in Ukrainian and I thought, what on earth are they saying? And they were thanking me for having talked about Russian aggression when I was at the State Department, for having talked about Russian disinformation, for having talked about how Vladimir Putin lies and what a strong threat he is to international stability and security. And my big takeaway was what we say and what we do in America matters. People hear it around the world in the hardest hit places. And those words of support help keep them going, provide them with encouragement, um, to keep on doing what they need to do. So, I mean, just imagine being so far from home and hearing that gratitude from the um, from Ukrainian officials, and they remembered things that I said several years ago. So that was that was a big personal takeaway for me. And you know, on that subject, and and bringing it back uh, a little closer to home here in Washington. Uh, the Senate passed a bill Monday with supplemental funding for military aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Uh, but the Speaker of the House said that uh, the House is not going to take up the measure. So we're kind of uh, we're in a bit of a, a hung jury situation at the moment. Uh, do you think there's any likelihood of Congress passing another package of aid for Ukraine, or or is this you know getting to the end of the line? And and what will the consequences be for the people you were talking with and you met with? Uh, if if USAID runs out, well, there are still some procedural maneuvers in the House that um, that that can be done to assist with getting that aid through. Uh, one of the things I said to the Ukrainians, um, you know, we're a democracy here in America. We have a lot of debates. Sometimes those debates are really colorful. Um, and we should have those debates. It's right to debate what happens in Ukraine and elsewhere around the country. But in the end, as Americans, we tend to do the right thing. Um, we tend to recognize that democracy is under threat, that um, bad things are happening around the world, that we need to step in and assist where we can when um, the U.S., if we're not uh, stepping in, could end up getting dragged into something much larger. So I think in the end, we will do the right thing. But of course, Ukrainians and our allies throughout Europe are nervous. Um, I do want to point out that Ukraine, I mean, excuse me, Europeans have stepped up in really an unprecedented fashion. You know, we talk about the importance for uh, Europeans to fight this and to help out because it's in their backyard. And, they're at, and we're absolutely right to say that. Um, Europe is actually taking the lead. Uh, one of the things I learned in talking to um, folks in Poland is that they're spending 4% of their GDP on defense spending, which is great. That's actually double what they had committed to do that's double um, the nato required kind of commitment and so we see poland and other countries really stepping up in an unprecedented fashion um, but we need to do our part too because again if we don't stop putin where he is right now in ukraine 
this conflict will grow and it will grow beyond Ukraine and we will get dragged into something much, much larger. I'm not warmongering. I'm trying to advocate for peace and supporting our democratic friends in in, uh, Europe. So is there anything you you have to say to the people involved in the debate for aid to Ukraine uh, who talk about the need to secure our own border and how how can we be spending so much money or spending so much time focusing on on another country's border on the far side of the world when we can't even handle our own southern border? Sure, we absolutely need to secure our own border. We need to do that, but we can do both things at the same time. And that's what America has to do to be able to manage multiple crises at the same time. We can secure our border, but we can also help take care of the threat that is only growing in Europe. So I think we need to do both and uh, Congress uh, ought to do that. Thank you so much for joining us, Heather. Hey, Sam, thank you so much. Thanks for for listening and uh, thanks for your interest in this subject. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Flash Focus is a production of the Vandenberg Coalition. To connect and stay up to date on our work, follow our account on X at Vandenberg Co. Or visit www.vandenbergcoalition.org to learn more and subscribe to our weekly newsletter on foreign policy and national security, Beyond the Water's Edge. Until next time, I'm Samuel Byers, and this is Vandenberg Flash Focus.